Hey everyone, welcome to the episode. With me today is Eaglet and Plasmo, fresh from their trip to Stunfest. How's it going, boys? Uh, yeah, it's, it's going well. Thank you very much for having us again. Yeah, doing great. Thanks. Is it an adjustment kind of getting back from the event? Yeah, for me, it's been very hard, honestly. I, was, uh, I had a lot of things to do during Stunfest, not just demonstrations, but a lot of other responsibilities. And it was really hard, actually. It's something I realized when I came home because I was like apathetic for two days from stress. Oh, no. And I got right back into exam period, so I'm studying multivariable calculus right now. I have an exam in one and a half weeks. Oh, that's horrible. It is, but it's okay. How about you, Plasmo? Yeah, for me it was kind of similar, I guess, since I didn't go there just to play games myself, but also did a lot of the uh, organizing stuff in the back. So I um, had lots of responsibilities, and we had the Japanese guests most of all, and some other stuff. But at least I had a week off right after I came back, so I had some time to get back to normal life because yeah. it wasn't easy. But yeah, I'm, I'm back at Garega playing it again, so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, honestly. So with Stunfest, I'm interested to hear, you know, kind of the entire experience, not just the demonstrations. So I'd wonder if we could begin by kind of talking about the week leading up to Stunfest, how you prepared for the event. Yeah, sure. Do you want to go first, Plasmo, or should I? Yeah, I, I guess I can go first. For me, it was particularly the week before was uh, very um, stress intense since I only had the possibility to practice Garega. So for my live demonstration 10 days before, mm. so I was basically putting in those coins at least <laughs> six, seven hours straight per day. And still I had like my regular work and stuff. So um, yeah, that, that was a lot of stress. And Getting all the guests over from Japan was very difficult. We had some last-minute complications during the last week, but uh, it went it went all right in the end. So I'm, I'm quite glad as it went. But yeah, lots of stress. Yeah, for me, it was... Oh, sorry, you, you might want to reflect that. Oh, sure. I was just going to ask, as far as your stress, would you say the majority of it was for your demonstration itself, or was it just a combination of both responsibilities and the demonstration? Well, the main stress was actually the other responsibilities, but I don't want to get into detail. Okay, sure. It, it worked out in the end, so it doesn't matter, I guess. Awesome. How about you, Eaglet? Yeah, for me, it was pretty similar. Um, I had, well, I spent a lot of time with my girlfriend, of course, which is important because she's leaving in a couple of weeks. Uh, so we're trying to make the most of the time we have now and also preparing for exams and finalizing a project I had in school, which is not entirely finished yet, but will be tomorrow, I guess. Um, and also trying to practice. So I practiced around three hours a day, I think, leading up to it. And as Plasmo said, we had some last minute complications, which meant that I had to basically, you could say that during the entirety of Stunfest, I did not have a single moment to myself uh, for six days. Oh, wow. Yes. And everything was just running back and forth and fixing stuff and saving stuff and so on and so forth. But, you know, it was fun. And I feel like I honestly did a good job taking care of my responsibilities, as oh, yes, some, of, some of which um, I was not prepared to do, but it went all right, I guess. <laughs> Were your responsibilities 
mainly towards the shmup side of things, or are you also having to help out with other aspects of the event as well? Uh, yeah, I had to do with a lot of planning, taking care of guests, companies, and uh, technical difficulties as well. So it was a very broad spectrum of things that needed to be done. And uh, basically, I felt sort of like a goalkeeper that had to dive for the ball in the last <laughs> minute every hour. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty crazy, but it went well. And uh, honestly, the demonstrations were the least stressful part of Stumpfest. <laughs> yes, definitely. They were a lot of fun, actually. Yes. Uh, first time we went up, I was a bit stressed and nervous because uh, we had visited a place called Coin Up Table in Paris. And uh, we played on a really weird setup with a cab that was angled at like 50 degrees with a stick that wasn't entirely good. Uh, and oh, I, performed, no. I performed terribly. So I was really nervous for my demonstration. I was like, is this really how it's going to be? But I asked Saito-san and Fufufu-san to watch over me as I practiced the night before festival and seeing those guys like knowing that they're watching you from right behind adds a lot of pressure because they're best in the world and um, super nice guys by the way but that helped me honestly because i got used to the pressure first run a bit of pressure second run on sunday i had no pressure at all i just wanted to get it over with and then get drunk i guess that's funny, going back to what both of you have been saying about, you know, a lot of your stress came from being a part of the event rather than just being players doing a demonstration. Because from the viewer's end, my my assumption was that you guys' main focus would have been the demonstration and that would have been the main source of, I guess, pressure or nerves. But it sounds like you guys were busy beyond just your demonstrations, for sure. Most definitely. <laughs> Yeah, we were running around just constantly. Yes. And at least Eric went to Paris, as he said, with the players before. I think from like Wednesday onwards? No, like from Tuesday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I only joined them in Thursday evening. Yes. So Thursday to Monday then for me. Um, yes. And it was enough. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so what were you doing those days before... Thursday and Friday, Eaglet, at the event, were you guys just kind of hanging out or are you setting up the entire event? Uh, on Thursday. Did you get there Tuesday, you said? Uh, yeah, we went to Paris first for two days. Oh, okay. So you're in Paris. Okay. Yeah, so it was basically uh, touristy stuff, you know, seeing the Eiffel Tower, Champs-Élysées, and going to French restaurants and basically trying to give uh, the Japanese guests as much of a proper visit as possible. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and a bit uh, stressful as well, because I wanted them to feel as home as possible. And with a total of like two and a half months of Japanese, I was trying my best. Oh, wow. Did you have any translators with you? Or is it, you know, just a language barrier the whole time? At the time, it was me. But I think yeah, it went right. Did you guys check out any arcades in Paris? Only the coin-op table. Okay. Which is like a sort of restaurant. Um, they sell alcohol too, but it's not a barcade. It's more like a chill-out spot, I guess. I really like the setup. They had good food, good drinks, a very nice atmosphere. So kind of going back to your time before getting to Paris or yes. uh, preparing for your demonstrations, when you guys were you know, putting in all that practice time, what was the focus of that practice? Were you just going through the run as much as possible or... Did you have some kind of unique practice strategies or anything like that? 
Well, I... Go ahead. No, I was thinking you should go ahead. (laughs) All right. For me, the primary goal, since I didn't really have that much practice anyway, was to just get the clear, I guess. And Garega's game works this way that you can't really... Well, you can get a low-scoring clear, but it's like no fun at all and not nice to watch because you will probably not collect any medals and stuff like that. So I tried to get a like, half-decent score, but the primary goal is just to aim for the clear, and that's mm-hmm. what I was practicing for. Yes. Uh, for me, the only difference in my practice was that I tried to apply as much, I guess, internal pressure as possible when I was practicing. So I was thinking every time when I practiced, if I messed something up, then I would still play out everything and think, okay, what if this is a live demonstration? I still have to go through with this. I can't reset, you know, stuff like that. Right. But uh, my main goal was to show off uh, basically high-level born and play. So I didn't uh, practice with uh, safety or clearing in mind. I was pretty confident I would be able to clear, but it's also, uh, as Plasmo said, Garega is a very, I would say, demonstration-unfriendly game at high level, because if you're playing a character like Bornum, for an example, then you're going to be staying at uh, one or zero extra lives at all times during the run. Yeah, that's crazy. If you make one mistake, no then everything is error. over, it's game over. <laughs> Yeah, there's not much room for error, really. No, not at all. Were you kind of doing the same thing, Plasmo? You mentioned you were focusing on getting the clear. Were you kind of taking a a more conservative approach to getting the clear, or were you kind of doing the same thing of one error and it's over? Basically the former. Um, I had at least two different routes set up, and I was practicing the more difficult route first, and it went all right. And then I checked out the easier one as well. And it obviously went better. So I thought to myself, for the live run, I really just want to demonstrate a clear. That's the most important Mm -hmm. thing for me. And I just went for the easier route. And then after Stunfest, now I'm practicing like the harder run immediately, but just want to have something something, uh, safer for Stunfest, which didn't work out for me as well. um, Because since, as you might know already, none of us actually was able to clear the game (laughs) on stage, unfortunately. I was watching live. Yeah. 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 5.30 in my time. AM. <laughs> I actually did a pretty, I think it was pretty fun because I really wanted to clear the first day. And so I think my thought going into the run in the later stages was like, okay, it's been going all right. I made a couple of mistakes, but okay, some major ones, but I should still be able to clear. And so I figured maybe I should save some resources for the last stage, and what this ended up doing, since I had been scoring hard, was that rank got way out of control. Oh, no. And uh, I don't know, I haven't seen any Black Core 2 uh, Born and Play with Black Core 2 at that high rank before. So I was still, I was able to clear that, and then I got into Glow Squid with a lot of lives, but I partially had some bad luck on the patterns, and then I think nerves just got to me, so I wasn't able to clear, but yeah, I, both of the runs were really unusual for me. Nothing went as it mm-hmm. usually does. Yeah, so even if we didn't really get the clear, I think we showed off some like interesting, entertaining runs. And especially the, the later half of uh, Eaglet's first run was very rough in the late game, definitely. Yes, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I, I found the runs to be extremely entertaining. Nice, thank you very much. So before getting to the runs themselves, I want to learn more about 
kind of what the room was like, you know, let's say on Saturday or let's say on Friday when you guys got there on Friday. Was there a special area for the shmup players? How did that work? Basically, um, there was an area for us, but uh, we never used it and just stayed either near the stage or by the shmup section where every other visiting mm -hmm. player was. And we had cabs set up for free play. Xarcadia demonstrated their hardware and, and some games. And M2 also showed off a Matsuri version of Katsui and some other games. That's really awesome. It sounds like you guys were able to get your hands on the Xarcadia then. What were your thoughts? I only got to play, like, as I said, I was super busy all the time, so I only managed, like, one credit. Oh, okay. But it was... Uh, it was fun. Uh, I played their game, um, the Tanoshi Mask game, Akato Blue, and it felt like an interesting, you know, super cave-style game. I remember Icarus saying that it felt like playing side Iojo, but done right. Oh, that's good to hear. You know, I liked it, and I'm very, I would say, both anticipatory and curious about the hardware, because they have a lot of good things planned, and if everything turns out well, which I hope it will, then we will probably see... Uh, a big change in shooting games developed, released, and how the entire gaming climate will be for arcade games. Yes, definitely. I think that Exit has the potential to revolutionize the arcade business in Japan and overseas potentially as well. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. I think they will start out this year. So um, I myself wasn't really able to play Akata Blue that much because of time constraints, but I put in some credits and really liked it as well. It was my second time actually playing it. I was playing it in Japan before when they had a location test, I think last October in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. oh, and cool. they had only a version with two stages. And at Stunfest, it was the first time where the third stage was also available. And when the game comes out finally, I think it will have five stages. Yeah, that's, maybe that's the standard. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we want to give a rundown of like all the other games they had because they didn't only have Akatu Blue, but also um, Super Hydora. Um, the Exa version, and yes. they think I, I, I think they wanted to have Infinius Extra, but um, it turned out they had some technical difficulties, so they couldn't have it. Um, as you already said, M2 was there, and they had the Kitsui Matsuri version, which is an arranged version of Kitsui, which will be bundled with a PS4 port that will yes. come out this year, probably. The Kitsui Matsuri version was only playable, I think, in 2009? Uh, 2007, I think. Oh, 2007, for one cave festival at one time, at one place. So yes. it's uh, really cool having it displayed again. And it, it was a fun game, very different from the regular version of the game. Yeah, it was basically only the first loop, but the patterns were... Uh, so the, the bullet patterns and the boss patterns were basically second loop um, patterns? Not only second loop, it was URA patterns. Ah, Euro, okay, but without the yeah. uh, suicide, suicide bullets, bullet. but yeah. Doom at the end. And I think yes. three people at least reached Doom, and they got yeah. some presents like the um, PS3 port for Garega. Um, yeah, PS4 port. Uh, P PS4, yeah, of course. Yeah, I only, I only played one credit of it, and I got mm. to just before the last boss. And um, it's different, too, because uh, you, it was pretty easy getting extra lives, but you only got one bomb per life. Yeah. Right, right. So, the bombs, it was quite difficult, yeah. Yeah, so you, ha I, you had to do a lot of really crazy dodges to get out of some of the stuff in the last stages. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
I'm excited personally just because I think the M2 port of Grega is so fantastic, you know, with the save states yeah, and yeah, everything. It's pretty much I, I'd love to see them port more games. Yes, they will. So they will. And also yeah. release original games too. Oh, that's awesome. kind of the shmup area how many shmup dedicated players were there would you say at the event um couple of dozens maybe way more way more i would say um in total uh the shmup dedicated players from all around the world would be somewhere between 30 and 50 correct okay not really sure didn't really get a good grasp on how many exactly but we were a lot of people the most we've ever been at the stonefest were you at Stunfest last year? There was no Stunfest last year. Well, there you go. <laughs> last one was two years ago before this. I was going to ask how the numbers have compared. Have they been raising pretty steadily? or? Yeah, well, I it think... was the biggest, I think, from... Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Biggest and I best, think, in my opinion. Um, the CEO of EXA um, said that they had more players in Akatu Blue on the very first day of Stunfest than they had during the location test in Tokyo. Maybe that's telling yeah. about just how yeah. many people tried it out. Both of the, both X and uh, Tanashimas and M2 were very happy with the, the feedback that they got from the players there. Yes. When you guys were doing, you know, when you guys were hanging out, would you say there was a lot of crossover between maybe kind of the fighting game audience there? Were they interested in the shmups or were you guys kind of more insulated? Huh, that's a difficult question because I'm not in contact with any other fighting game players, but what I do know is that um, some of the shooting game players actually participated at the fighting game tournaments, so maybe in this direction there's a little bit of crossover, but I'm not sure how many fighting game players actually were playing the shooting games as well. Yeah, to me, I uh, I was only so sporadically visiting the shooting stand that I couldn't really form a proper opinion of how it was like, but I know that a lot of people who weren't directly associated with the shooting game community were visiting and trying out all sorts of things. Like, for an example, we had the... I remember seeing, because I went back and forth a lot, just uh, like trying to find people and so on during the festival, and Akato Blue and Ketsu Matsuri version from M2 had players at all time during the entire festival. 
the the stands, you know, the cabinets and the PS4 setup was never without a player for three whole days. That's great. And it wasn't only the uh, Western shop community playing those games, of course. Yeah. So getting back to your guys' demonstration, I'm curious to hear about, in the hours leading up to your guys' demonstration, did you guys have any last-minute preparations for Saturday's demonstration or anything like that? Yeah, we were able to practice on the main stage, actually. So our runs were on Friday and Sunday. And we were practicing on the stage to um, have an audience right behind us, maybe sitting there for the um, prior event leading to our demonstration. So we had a little bit of the atmosphere already to practice not only the game, but to play in front of an audience. So this was quite helpful. And we got a chance to play on Saturday night during some fighting game finals as well. So lots of people applauding there for the big screen. And we were sitting there right on the main stage in the dark and trying and practicing some more Gregor. So that was great fun. Uh, unfortunately, on Sunday, though, we couldn't practice right leading up until the run because we had some, I think it was Decidia, Square Enix fighting game finals. Oh, okay. And Square Enix wouldn't allow anyone but, you know, Square Enix stuff to be on the stage at the time. So we weren't able to practice right before our run on Sunday. Oh, I see. I also wanted to ask you about the cabinets you guys played on. Were they really familiar to the ones you practiced on, or was there some variation there? They're the same. Yeah. Oh, same okay. Cabinets. And actually the same I have at home. So, um, yeah, ideal. Yeah. Only difference for me was I brought my own stick, but unfortunately for the cabinet that I was playing on, they didn't have an original panel. And the one that they used had some sort of weird mounting plate for the stick. So mm-hmm. my stick was like raised by half the amount it usually is. Oh Yeah, so during all of my plays, I had to play using a pretty weird position for my hand. That took some time to get used (laughs) to, but uh, I was able to pull some stuff off anyway. So it it felt a bit bad not being able to play under normal circumstances, but, you know, it's done. That reminds me that I also had a small difference since the cabinets at Stunfest were two-player panels, and I was of course, playing on the left side. And at home, I only have a one-player panel, so I'm sitting more in the middle. A little bit different, but not too unfamiliar. Sure. Did the recess joystick make it difficult for you to kind of hit the corners, Eaglet, when you were playing? It, It wasn't really hard to hit corners. It was more a case of that I wasn't able to do, like, a lot of quarter circles and other fighting game, like, motions that I do a lot when I play. In the same way. So mm-hmm. it, it was more like I had to do a lot of small taps and adjustments to position myself where I wanted. Couldn't really, you know, drag onto the stick as much as I usually do. And it's kind of funny because I play with a, it's a normal Seimitsu LS32 stick, but I have a super hard spring. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to the resistance and I really like it because it helps me position better, I think. But for that run, I had to play it a bit. Yeah, I had to be conscious of it which is probably not a good thing, but at least it worked out somewhat. Oh, I didn't know that they were Semitsus on those cabinets. I assumed they were Sanwas. No, I think there were Semitsus on both, because, well, for me, I had my own stick, and for Plasma, I think they had Semitsu sticks too. Yeah, Semitsu as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So starting your run, your first run, 
How would you gauge your level of nervousness, you know, when you first sat down at the cabinet? Mm. Um, as for me, I was, to be honest, really nervous the first time on the first day, so on Friday. I was really nervous and it, it didn't feel good at all. And I needed some time to get comfortable with the situation and all. But it went better, I think, about halfway in the run. And it was mm. almost gone on Sunday, so I didn't really felt any I, I wasn't nervous at all on sunday how about you eaglet yeah for me it was like i was also really nervous uh, when i started out playing first credit i found myself forgetting to breathe sometimes it was like okay i have to force myself to breathe now remember this is how you do it <laughs> but during our first run plasma game over in stage two on the gunblim and we had to reset the run which was not a problem at all of course we only lost like two, three minutes in total. Mm -hmm. But that helped me with my nerves on it. Because I yeah, kind of gave you a... Yeah, me too. Okay. I mean, the very first mistake <clears throat> was, of course, um, due to the nerves. So it was yes. great to have the opportunity to start over. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just like get used to the feeling. And then when you, when you do... It's always like this, with regardless of what you do. The first time you do something will always be scary. Right. But... Then when we mm -hmm. got to go through the motions again and do the exact same thing we just did, I felt a lot more confident. Yeah. And the really interesting thing about the first one we did on Friday was that we tried to, well, on the one hand, of course, try to um, go for score, who has the highest score and um, compete against each other. But on the yeah. other hand, we also wanted to synchronize the runs. So we yeah. used the longer milking uh, strategies on the bosses to actually synchronize our runs and i think this went pretty okay. well and was quite exciting uh, exciting to watch that we um got exactly to the same paths at exactly the same moment up yes. to the very the, end. the only thing that i think you missed because i was looking i didn't tell you this this is something i forgot to talk to you about <laughs> do tell uh, me yes uh, we never during the runs we never synced up on slayer true Yes, and this was something we had talked about before, I remember, because then we could have gotten a bit more into sync, but it, it, was, right, still, right. it was still okay. <laughs> All right. So I think it was on Friday, I was watching the run, and the commentator had thought that after, I think, Plasmo, one of Plasmo's deaths, mm. had thought that you were suiciding intentionally, Eaglet, to kind of keep you guys in No, sync. it was a metal drop. A metal drop. Okay. And that was all a mistake. If you watch the replay now, you can see me going for the metal. And probably because of nerves, I cut back too early. And I missed it by like a pixel or something. Which meant that I lost out on like, I would say somewhere around 600k in total just from that metal drop. Increasing rank, of course. So that sucked. And yeah. it, it was not on purpose at all. But it made the run a bit more interesting, I think. So my follow-up question is, while you guys were sitting there playing, did you have any idea of what the other person was doing or what was going on in their game? I'd imagine that would be pretty difficult. I but. tried my best to look over at Plasmos Cabinet at specific times when there's a bit of downtime in the game, like after killing a boss or at a milking section. Of course, for the milking sections we did time together, we were looking at each other and giving each other signs to notify when we should continue. But I tried to look at him as much as I could, both to see his score and where he was currently at in the game. Yes, exactly the same for me. So I was looking quite a lot at his screen as well. And I, was, I, I, I knew what he was up to, uh, his score, his extents and everything. So I imagine in the thick of the run, I'm putting myself in your guys' place. I'm probably a little off, but 
in the thick of the run, I'd imagine that you guys might not have been as focused on, you know, the competitive aspect of who gets the higher mm-hmm. score. Was that a thought during the run or was that something that just occurred to you after the run was finished? It was a conscious decision from the start. Yeah, I guess we were selling it as a competitive play and like a high score chase that was the selling point. But um, after all, of course, we just wanted to demonstrate the game, I guess. Yes, and to make it as fun as possible to watch. Right. And this is why... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, uh, let's say Plasma is watching is playing and peeks over at Eaglet's cabinet and sees, oh, his score is higher. I need to... Did you try to adjust your strategies to kind of catch up and score or anything like that? Um, It's kind of difficult to do it this way, but I... Well, the only thing basically I could do it when his score is high is that um, I, I can start praying that he makes a mistake. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't really catch up. It's go. not possible. That's not really how the game works, I guess. But if no. he makes a mistake and okay. I will follow my route consistently and I will get the points I usually get and he loses out on points, only then I could potentially catch up. So it's just a matter of praying like a lot of things in shooting games. I yeah. see. But this is kind of funny, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, like the purpose of the run, because I saw, you know, I put up a poll on the Schmups forum asking people if they liked the format for the demonstration. Mm-hmm. Because it was pure experimentation on my part. I was thinking, okay, we've already had Gregor once on Stumpfest before, and now I want to show it again. What could we do to differentiate it this time? And I got this idea, okay, you know, me and Plasma, we're similar in skill level and uh, knowledge of the game. Why not do us at the same time, two cabinets uh, streamed at the same time, and basically just show off different strategies and see who could get the higher score. So. The competition thing was more like, I guess, uh, sort of build up hype. But right. the main purpose was to show off the game and hopefully get more people interested in Right. More as a promotion for Garega. Yes. Because it's our favorite game and um, more people should play it. We want more competition. <laughs> right. I would agree. I think that's an excellent idea. Mm. Because even, let's say, even you know, you two are obviously friendly with each other, so there's not like beef between you two but still the aspect of competition as a viewer does make it more exciting. yeah there, there's all there's no beef only hugs a bit of violence and score competition <laughs> <laughs> well the real competition also continues after stunfest so at the yes. moment eaglet holds all the records at the forum and yes. i'm trying to chase some of his scores down and this is not mm-hmm. something i'm doing live of course but it will take some months so hopefully this year, uh, later this year, I can try to actually beat some of its scores. But we'll see how that one goes. Because I will probably try to increase my scores as well. <laughs> yes. That's great to hear because I'm wondering, you know, having this a chance to do the live demonstration and kind of interact with each other, now that the event's over, do you feel more motivated to play the game oh, and totally. try to increase your scores? Totally, yes. I feel really mm-hmm. uh, motivated again. And uh, yeah, I won't stop. Good. <laughs> for me i as i said i have a lot of things to take care of now but in the future after like this month has passed then i will definitely get back and make sure to destroy the cat score with bornum and then we'll see what happens after that so it's always been my hope that with live demonstrations and live get-togethers that it would kind of ignite some more i guess fire under some people to try and you know start playing the games more you know if they've kind of been a little if it's felt a little stale or something like that. 
Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, to me, this has, been the, this has been the main purpose of Stunfest for me, yes. for yes, all the years that I went through. demonstration on Saturday how did you feel after the run or on Friday sorry on Friday how did you guys feel after the run well since it was quite late already well, there was one other demonstration which one was it? like Saito Sam was playing right after us yes. on Friday right so yeah yes. I definitely wanted to watch this one and then just hang out with the other people at the regular uh, shooting game section simply because the stress is over for this day and the next demonstration would be on Sunday. So I knew I had some time and I wanted to get drunk as well. So <laughs> Yeah, stress wasn't really over for me on Friday. It was continuous, but for me, it just felt like, okay, I think I put on a good show. Uh, the high rank Black Heart 2 must have been fun to see. That's what I was hoping at least. And um, I felt that even if it wasn't a clear, and uh, it was close to being a clear, uh, I think... It was fun to watch, at least. So I was, I wasn't really satisfied with how it turned out, but I wasn't super, I wasn't in despair either. So it was, it was okay. Well, as for me, I was pretty much in despair, even I guess, since mm. my first one was a bit of a disaster. Like game mm. over, at least like six, seven, eight times. I, I some some point I just stopped counting. So I didn't really feel good at all about this one, and with a, with the thought in the back of my head that. There will be another run on Sunday. The pressure was building up more and more. Yeah. So that yeah. was a bit rough on my side, at least. I know, because, you know, I already had that experience from when we were in Paris, coin-up table. Right, right. And I talked to you about this before, too. Yes. I can definitely empathize with that feeling. I'm, that's why I'm kind of curious to hear about it, because just in my own personal life, I had an opportunity when I was in school to do this huge presentation. And I got up on there, and I totally blanked out. I barely yeah. could get through the... It was one of the most humiliating yes. moments. But after I felt that, I felt like really fired up for the next one. So I was curious, after... Did you guys feel like fired up and determined about the next demonstration? Or were you just kind of feeling pretty good and not too worried Well, I about felt it? that I possibly couldn't do worse next time. <laughs> so the, the, I knew that the worst run was definitely over. Whatever I'm going to do on Sunday, it will be better. And that was just the case. So I reached the last stage on Monday, uh, on, on Sunday, and everything was all right. Yeah, to me, it was more like uh, I, I felt like, okay, I could either go for safe play and make sure to clear. Uh, but what I wanted to do instead was for the run on Sunday, I want to show off the proper scoring strategies. And uh, up until midpoint of stage six, I was able to do that because I was on like 16 million pace, which was good. So. Yeah, so for me, it was more like a case of that. And I was, I was happy on, up until the point where I game over basically in stage six. 
And it was due to a very stupid fact. Like, if I'd only maneuvered a bit differently and played it safe, then it wouldn't have been a problem. But I actually mm. got destroyed by an, a totally invisible bullet. Yeah, I remember watching it, and just suddenly your ship explodes. I'm like, what the yes. hell? <laughs> it, has to do, it has to do with uh, the sprite limit in the game. Because I bombed and there were a lot of enemies and stuff on the screen. And for some reason, I don't know why, this is just stupid programming, but the game prioritizes bombs and stuff to be visible on the screen over bullets. Oh, so I wow. got hit by a bullet that was impossible to see. But I should have known that That's they terrible. would be firing at me, so it was my fault. But still, it felt pretty weird. And I can tell you that I would definitely have done better, and I probably would have cleared that one as well with like an F.5 score, I think, if I saw it through. I also got something funny on the second run. Um, I dropped my medals again in stage uh, three, I think it was. Um, yeah. And there was an invisible medal that I accidentally triggered off screen. Or not off screen, but on the invisible side of the playing field. And yeah. I couldn't see the medal. It was not there at all. And <laughs> of course, it still counts when the medal is in the playing field and drops down that your chain breaks. I, I could have still, like, reacted to that because I could have counted the enemies I shot and counted the item drop order but at that moment um, I didn't really think about it so I dropped my medal there and it felt pretty cheap to be honest. When you guys like experience setbacks like that when you're playing for me personally I sometimes will just fall completely apart after something like that mm. happens where I could salvage the run but my nerves get to me and I just my run goes to crap. <laughs> Did you guys have moments where you felt like you were able to pull it together even though there were all these setbacks coming left and right? Yeah, to me it was like, uh, first of all, all the like major setbacks we got were on, the, on Sunday were super weird. Stuff that like almost never happens. So I felt more like, you know, okay, yeah, this was a fuck-up, but it wasn't like a regular-style bad execution fuck-up, really. It was just something weird, and that felt better, honestly. Uh, something to blame, I guess. And then... Um, Basically, when I game over stage six, which was for this reason, then I just thought, okay, I can no longer play for score because it's very important that you save up as many resources as possible, bombs primarily, for stage seven. And if you mm -hmm. game over, then you reset your bomb stock. So I had no resources to go for score on stage seven. And what I felt then was like, okay, I can't score now. I can't show off proper scoring strategies, but what the hell? I will try to go for something stupid instead. So I tried to perform a no-miss, no-bomb of Blackheart 2, which is an infamously difficult boss, and I pulled it off. So I was happy about that. Nice. Yeah, it, it, there was some fun dodging there. Like, I actually got the clusterfuck pattern, which is what we call it, when Blackheart 2, during his third phase, he fires off grenades, destructible bullets, needle bullets, and like win big bullets from like a circular turret at the same time. Yeah, that's usually like a guaranteed death. So for both of you in your runs, what's the point in the game that you guys dreaded the most or thought would be the most dangerous for you? Um, funnily enough, I would say one of the most dangerous points of the whole game is in the beginning of stage two, the gambling, because mm. it's really difficult to kill it properly to time the suicide and you are on low lives or no lives at all. So this is a bit tricky, but since you can still restart there, which we did on Friday, um, it's not mm. that bad. And 
I guess the next few stages are not a problem at all, at least for me. And then when it comes to stage six, of course, you can die just anywhere. And it's, it's really tough. If you want to hold your metal chain, the beginning of stage six in particular is very important and quite difficult to pull off. I think I did it on Sunday just fine. So I was quite happy about this one. Yeah, and of, of course, Blackheart too. So the penultimate boss in stage seven is also a very tough part. Yeah, for me, I, I felt equally nervous throughout the entire game, I think, because with uh, my route, then a small mistake usually leads to everything game overing. <laughs> But uh, oh, but it was like, if I were to pinpoint one part in particular that I was nervous about on my Sunday run, it was, this, also, this is also something that like never happened, but with Mad Ball 2 on the Sunday run, then I took my time to kill off all the parts, and I got some very bad luck with his central turret. He was shooting destructible bullets a lot, which means that with Bornum, you have such a low shot power that you can't kill off the inner turrets when he does that, which sucks. Oh, wow. So he delayed for a long time and then eventually timed out. And I was forced to do a really weird maneuver to kill him when he, he was timing out. And right at the end, as he was leaving the screen, I destroyed his central turrets and he, shooted, and he spat out these random bullets that came at me so quickly I wasn't able to react properly. I was totally unprepared for it. And I lost my life just as I gained it. So I had to... Oh, I remember that. So, and that's, that threw me completely off my route. And I had to no-miss the entirety of the stage after that with Blackheart 2, just to get up to the next extent. And then I couldn't do my proper route for stage 6 beginning, which usually has two suicides. I could only do one, which I didn't even do. Uh, I was saving it for later, but I died at the wall for some reason. So, yeah, th that just threw me off completely. And then I felt like, ah, uh, shit, okay. And then I lost the medals at a really unfortunate place due to not being careful enough in stage six. And uh, from there on, I was like, uh, okay, this is going to be rough. I think both of the Mad Balls in particular are one of the cheapest sections if you want to play it live because it's down to RNG if he comes down and you can bomb it. And yes. if he just refuses to come mm. down, um, Mad Ball one or two, doesn't matter. You cannot properly score on them and you need it because it's one million points. And... If you wait it's for five, is it, is it five or six cycles? I don't even know. Uh, you wait five cycles and then you five activate the inner turrets. Yeah, and then you get like really into trouble if he still refuses to come down. So you can just yep. pray for the life run to go well on the mad balls. But the most annoying thing is for mad ball one, I think it's okay because you have like two and a half minutes in total time against him right. before he times out. But right. for the second mad ball, you only have one and a half minutes. Yes, and the attacks are much more difficult to dodge. Yeah, and especially this destructible bu bullet turret, which absolutely sucks, because killing oh, yeah. off the inner turrets is very crucial for scores. I think they're worth like 360 points in total, or 360,000 points. And uh, not being able to kill those off will you know, destroy your score, basically. So when you guys were playing, what was the atmosphere in the room like? Did you have a lot of spectators? Couldn't really see on the stream. I think um, on I, Friday, Friday we didn't have that many. It was an okay amount, but I know that on Sunday we had a lot of spectators. Yeah, and I must admit that I didn't pay that much attention to it because of all the light on the main stage. I couldn't really see how big the audience was. And oh. uh, on top of that, we both had headphones on, so I, I didn't really notice just how many people were watching. But when the runs were over and we 
had a brief interview, I could see that like lots of people were there on yes. Sunday yeah. at least. Yes. Yes. And I have to, speaking of the headphones, I have to give a shout out to Sefi who fixed the cab set up there because the sound was the best that I ever heard the, the game in. And it really helped a lot with focus, honestly. Yes, same for me. And just a general shout out to Sefi and Yum for making this all possible yes. on the technical yes. side as well. They were both of uh, great help and indispensable for the live runs. So thank you. Definitely. Well done, guys. I can imagine putting together the live feed and the audio and the capturing devices and everything was a huge undertaking. Uh, especially when things don't really go as they're planned. You have to adapt and improvise. <laughs> yeah, I remember on wasn't on Sunday that Plasmo's feed went out or something, right? And he had they had to film his. Yeah, it, it was my feed originally, and I wanted them to put in like the proper one for Plasmo's cab, but he insisted that I should get the feed instead. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, since I knew just how badly it went for me on Friday, and since Eaglet is uh, still the better of us two, I definitely wanted to have his stream to be like the proper one. And yeah. And at the same time, I was thinking, okay, maybe we should stream from Plasmo so he can have his revenge now. <laughs> well, which in fact I had on Sunday, yes. but yeah. whatever. Yes, I wanted to ask you both, Watching the stream, it was hard to tell on Sunday whose score ended up being higher. I think I, mine, but we, I didn't really I think we ended up on the same score, basically, but I came over way uh, early. Yeah, I got I, quite far into stage 7, but didn't reach Blackheart Mark 2. Yes, I died on yes. the cockpit section before, but I exactly. didn't really pay attention to my score, so I'm, I'm kind of lost there. But at least yeah, I, think I, I, I came over yeah. with like an, uh, B, a B.87, I think, and I oh, think I you had B.89. All right. So it was very similar. But I know that at least during the run, I was like almost one million ahead at the point of stage six, I think. Ah, I see. Cool. Yes. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect of, you know, the live competitive run where, you know, Eaglet had a higher score in the earlier stages, but ended up... Game-overing. Game-overing before, yeah, game-overing before Plasmo did. And so Plasmo had the chance to catch yes, up. indeed. Right. Were you guys able to check out Foo-Foo-Foo's run after your guys's? Yes, of course, which was for me the highlight, the first of his runs on Saturday, where he cleared a white label, Diojo white label with 1.5 billion, was it? Absolutely. It was just one of the most fantastic live ones, if not the best run I've ever seen live of a shooting game of any player. Yeah, I, I was able to catch that as well. That was an amazing run, especially in white label. That game is so brutal. Yes. Yeah, and you know, he is the best in the world at the game. And I think his clearing rate is something like 20, 15 to 20% for every run. And being able to pull that off live was just extreme. By the way, he felt no pressure or nervousness at all. Really? Yes. I was going to ask if you guys had any behind-the-scenes information. He, he's a Terminator. He felt nothing. Yeah. He just performed. <laughs> he, he said, yeah, he said he wasn't nervous at all. And yes. I think it was his at least second live performance. So a couple yeah. of years ago... There was a Washoi event at Tokyo. Ah, to, yeah, well, Washoi at Tokagi or something. But whatever, mm. he played the same game there live and was also able to clear it. And this was one of the main reasons why we were inviting him, actually, because we were so impressed by this live performance. So we yeah. wanted to get him for Stunfest as well. Also, if I recall correctly, like in terms of accomplishments, I think he will be the eternal world record holder of Futari Ultra counterstop with Abnormal Palm. Yes. 
Yes, because he was the first one to shoot it. Even though he didn't clear the game, as far as I know. Uh, he cleared it. Oh, he, but in the run? In the catastrophe well, run? Yes, yes, it was clear, okay. because otherwise it wouldn't have been recorded. Oh, okay, yeah, Arcadia rules. Arcadia rules, so you need the clear, and um, no one can take that first, very first counter-stop world record score from him. Exactly, so he will have it eternally. Yes. And it sounds like, at least Eaglet, you got to spend quite a bit of time with him, right? He was one of the Japanese players you were with on Tuesday? Yes, uh, him and Saito I got to spend quite a lot of time with. And they're both excellent guys, super nice, and uh, extremely good players. Yes, and uh, as for myself, I was, well, I was, it was actually me who invited them over from Japan since I was able to meet them in person in Tokyo. So I lived there for a year in 2017 and I met up with them regularly, uh, like maybe not on a weekly basis, but uh, at least while, like once or twice a month. So I spent a lot of time with them in 2017 and it was oh, awesome. Wait, fun to hang out with those legends, so to say. Yeah, we, I can say like we had a sort of like a internal joke, I guess that was kind of fun. No offense to the Frenchies here. Uh, but a lot of things during our trip didn't really go exactly as planned, mostly because of France being France, I guess. Like, typical example, on Wednesday, we went by the metro to check out all of these touristy things in Paris, and we bought a day pass for the metro, and at one point, it wouldn't allow us in. So we stood there like, huh, did we get the wrong tickets or something? We asked the ticket office for help, and they explained, oh, no, okay, yeah, gates here are just broken as usual. And basically, a lot of the weird stuff we uh, encountered in France in general, when things didn't go as planned, we called it France style. So it was like an internal thing, and it became attached to pretty much everything when something didn't go as planned, basically. Well, that's awesome. You got to spend, you know, time. And uh, Plasma, you mentioned you were... How long were you in Japan? Uh, For one year, I was living um, in basically Tokyo, a little bit north of it. And did you get a chance to go to the arcades that Fufufu plays at? Or Yes, yes, quite often. So I went to arcades, um, not particularly his home arcade, but to other arcades as well, um, at least twice a week. I'm curious to hear about what that experience is like, you know, being in a Japanese arcade. Um, it's pretty overwhelming if you're into shooting games. I didn't really care about the other games that were, of course, there as well. But to meet all those world record holders and to be able to talk to them and to exchange strategies and replays and whatnot was just an amazing feeling. And they were all very friendly and welcoming and all excited to see a foreigner there because that doesn't happen every day, especially with a, in the shooting game scene. And of course, mm-hmm. um, a younger player because the average age of Japanese shooting game players is late 30s or 40s even so um they were oh, really? always very happy to see a enthusiastic foreigner playing their favorite games as well so it was a great experience yes and not only that getting a world record too. yeah <laughs> also you mentioned something i'm really curious to hear so from your experience were there many younger shooting game players you know that were japanese and kind of upcoming or um, How does that work? Yeah, there were some, but unfortunately very few. So there are a couple of names and uh, bigger names as well. A couple of world record holders even that are in their 20s, uh, late 20s, early 30s. But um, the majority, the average age is definitely um, getting older and older, which is uh, quite a huge problem. And 
they do realize this. Yeah, I think the, in terms of Garriga, the only like new player I know is uh, G, who you I know you have seen him in arcades before. Yes, and, he's usually at Mikado. Yeah, and he's my age, so that's like the only other young person I guess playing Garriga I've seen in Japan. Yes, one of the more outstanding world record holders, like at least 10 different games or so, is Hamami, and he's in his 20s as well. So he's one of those very promising upcoming new big names. After Fufufu's run on, I think it was Sunday, they had the opportunity to ask him some questions. And one that I was interested to hear about was, you know, how the arcade scene in Japan has changed because, you know, globally it's shrinking. Is that true in the case of shooting games as well, from your experience, Plasma? Yes, definitely. When I, when I was in Japan in 2017, only during this time, two of the major arcades holding shooting games have closed down. And many of the bigger arcades don't even bother with shooting games at all. So the big ones uh, that are left are for Tokyo, are Ebisen, Hei, and Mikado. And those mm. were the, like, the three big ones I was frequenting. And there are like, a couple of smaller ones like Goody 21 or Daytona no, no. 3. Bad Mad day. Mouse. Bad day 21. Once again? Bad day 21. Oh, the, yeah, good day, bad day. <laughs> yes, right. That's the feeling. And that's, that's a game center that will never close down. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> it's but, indestructible. Yeah. But overall, the scene is shrinking, the players get older, no new games are released. So all hope is now lying on EXA, I guess. Yes. Right. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about the EXA cabinet you guys got to check out. Was the monitor, uh, you know, a modern LCD monitor? Or did they have a CRT in there? It was a type of Ulix cab, mm-hmm. which is already like the type of standard nowadays, I guess, for their regular releases. Yep. And um, it has everything. From, I think it's like JVS to HDMI. Oh, I see. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a high risk cab, and. The EXA platform uses Windows 10, I think. Oh, really? But it, I, I heard something about it being able to output GAM as well, but I'm not sure. I, I can't really speak to the specifics of it. Aside from your guys' demonstrations, what were some of the main highlights of your guys' experience at Stunfest? Well, besides meeting all the people and all my international friends and the Japanese people again, which was, for me, the highlight, um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed to have so many new games playable there. So I think we haven't listed them all. Maybe we should um, get over some more of the new games that were presented there for the first time even. So I yeah. think Dejika was there presenting their rival Megagun and Space Invaders Extreme and also Game Tengoku. The latter one being the English PS4 port, I think. It will come out on Steam as well. So this one was new, at least with the English language. And we also had a couple of dojins. Blue Revolver from Scotland we had there. And we had Firelancer there, the from, first stages playable from, from USA and Germany. Right, right, collaboration. And well, the music mm-hmm. is done by Japanese, so. Yeah, yeah. An interesting game. It will come out in the Wonderswan. That is interesting. And we also had, well, not particularly new games, but very rare games, a different version of Pink Sweets, which was called Suicide Club. So this one we were able to play, and also the home version of Akai Katana. Yes, but with added coin mode. Right, right. So yes. both like slight alterations, and you will not find those games anywhere else in the world. I think maybe like two or three PCBs exist, and that's about it. Yes. Wow. Who brought those PCBs? Was it? No comment on this. 
Okay. A collector of some kind, I'm assuming. <laughs> no comments. How about you, Igla? What were the highlights for you? Uh, same as Plasmo with people, of course. And I mean all the people. Visiting players, Japanese players, uh, Stuntfest personnel, pretty much everyone that we got to spend time with were the definite highlight for me. And Plasmo, one of the highlights, of course. Because <laughs> we've been talking so much online for the last two years and uh, finally get the chance to meet up now and do something proper together. Super fun. And, uh, of course, I would say, not just in terms of like games and new games being released, but uh, I would say the plans for the future that all of these companies have and basically the, the will that they have and uh, the passion they have for these kinds of games was also a definite highlight for me. And do you guys think there's space for another similar event to Stunfest? That's, you know, a get-together for a bunch of shmup players that could be somewhere other than Paris, France? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's very well possible. I mean, I was surprised just how much interest we got just for the shooting games. So there are, like, lots of people interested in it. And you really just need a person with, like, lots of cabinets to set up to set up something. And the people, the fans, will just uh, apply themselves. They will come, and there are many of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very well possible somewhere else in Europe or in the States, somewhere else. Yes, I think I, it's possible. I agree. Yeah, and I'm thinking about, you know, what makes, you know, Stunfest so successful. And I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on what's the main draw for Stunfest that brings everyone in. I think the most important part is that it brings together Japan and the West. So yes. this is one of the very, very rare opportunities where Japanese players are coming over and are playing together with the Western players. So those two communities are usually apart from each other, and there's not too much communication. Mm-hmm. So this is, for me, this is the most important thing. I agree. And that was kind of the purpose uh, behind its inception as well. And to bring some sort of, um, I, I don't know, you could call it a knitting point for the Western community to get together, because it's very spread out all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. Create something that somewhat regular and will allow meet each other properly, not just talk shit online. Uh, by the way, I'm super <laughs> disappointed that Bananamatic didn't show up, because I wonder if he would keep up his trollic, trollish antics URL as well. Yeah, he chickened out in the end. He said he would come, but then didn't show up, so... Yeah, we should buy him, uh, like, a, a chicken pen or something that he can keep at his home. Right. Yeah. Banana chicken. Banana chicken. <laughs> Sounds like a Swedish meal, to be honest, because we have the weirdest things. There's actually banana pizza here. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's the most horrible thing ever conceived.
did it ever come up that there's kind of an equivalent Japanese event where all the Japanese players get together and maybe invite out Western players? Yeah, right now it doesn't oh, exist, okay. unfortunately. Oh, I see. Yeah, but actually Stunfest was inspired by this exactly uh, equivalent to... to uh, so the Japanese equivalent to Stunfest is, uh, was the yeah. first, actually, which got us think, inspired to make Stunfest. I but think no I Western spoke players. this when, we had, when you had me on interview, because as I said before, me and Prometheus, the former record holder for the Dompachi in the Western community, we went to Japan mm-hmm. at the same time in 2012 and attended an event called Game Summer Festival where they combined Washoi, which is the traditional um, shooting game festival in Japan, with uh, Togeki, which is the big fighting game tournament, and also a game music festival called Game Sound Impact. So they combined all these three things out on a big field in Narita. And both me and Prometheus were so inspired by it, and we got into some talks together with uh, Kamui and uh, a guy from Schmutzform called Adversity One. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how the seed to Washoi and Stompfest was sown. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool seeing something that just like got into our heads six years ago turn into this now. No kidding. Yeah. The event in my head that I think could be an interesting possibility, at least in the States, is Evolution. Mm. Where I was talking about this with another interview, I haven't put it out yet, but where you know, Evolution's huge, and I'm not saying it would be on the same level of integration as Stunfest, where, you know, you guys are officially part of the event. Yeah. But part of me wonders, it would be interesting if Shmup players would be willing to get together as kind of like a side event at Evo, at least the American players. Hmm. I think, to be honest, what I've gotten the impression of, at least, is that, you know, Stunfest is sort of like an in-between thing as opposed to what things are like in America, because the impression I've gotten is that in America, you either have like a super big tournament thing like EVO, which is only focused on fighting games and nothing else, and like pro sports, MLG, Doritos, Dew, 420 Blazed thing. (laughs) Or you have something other, which is more focused on fandom around games and cosplay and stuff like that. Yes, right, you're exactly right. Yeah, and Stunfest is somewhere in between those things, I think. Oh, okay. And I think that's why it's successful in bringing like, the shooting game community together with other players as well, because it's sort of like a relaxed atmosphere, and it doesn't have as many... You know, I'm not going to judge or anything, but to me, the fandom part of stuff like this is not really as interesting as playing games. Right. So I think yeah, since Stompfest doesn't have those things to steal focus away from actual games, then people are there mostly because of their love for games. When I look at the event, it just seems like such a unique combination that it does seem hard to recreate it elsewhere, but would be nice if that was possible. It should be possible, in my opinion. And also, I can say one of the things that I got positively, I wouldn't say surprised by, but I was really happy to hear it, was we had a couple of Toho players who visited us at the shooting section and watched the super mm-hmm. place and stuff. And they were really positively surprised by how nice the people were, because they were expecting us to be like uh, elitist pricks or whatever, but they felt really welcomed. <laughs> and that's the kind of feeling at Stompfest. Everyone's welcome, you know, come here, play games with us, let's get drunk together, whatever. I didn't even notice those people. Who were they? Uh, they were watching the demonstrations and then came over to try some of the games. They were French players. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah I really want I to was see really happy more, more get-togethers of the 
Toho people and the arcade people, because after all, it's shooting games, both. I agree. I think that the, the vision between those is totally stupid and counterproductive. So I want to see more Toho. <laughs> yes, definitely. Me too. It's Really, this division is so artificial to me. It doesn't make any sense at all. I agree um, just 100%. because those games are on this platform and the other ones on the other platform. And anyway, you, you there are like many players playing on PC or MAME emulation or whatnot. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to see more of those Toho players at arcade convention and vice versa. Same here. I actually had no idea there was a division between the two. I could see how that could happen, but... It's kind yeah, of think, yeah. <laughs> I think it was mostly because of different generations when it started. Oh, yeah. I would say, especially these days, uh, most people I know are on PC. I mean, there are the people who have the cabinets, but... Sure. Yeah. And I think it's also evolved this way because of different forums. So yes. you won't oh, find okay. too many of those Toho players at the Schmaps forum, and the Toho players have their own forum. So it's kind of separate communities um, as it stands now. Yeah. And back in the day, you had at the Schmaps forum was like, yeah, we're guys who like, you know, old style airplanes and explosions and none yeah. of this fairy crap, whatever. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. It's basically yeah. World War II against no pandies. Exactly, yes. And to be honest, I was a bit apprehensive of the Toho games before because I'd seen like some parts of the fandom from various parts of the internet. But once I tried the games and, you know, talked to some players, I knew that it's basically the same thing as us, just in a different presentation, I guess. Yes. Yeah, and you could even say with Cave, their later games kind of are more Toho-like than definitely, you know, Dodonpachi and stuff. Mm, I wouldn't say they're Toho like. I think the op- the inspiration probably goes in the opposite direction, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Soon was inspired by Cave primarily when it made games like what what's it called, Imperishable Night, because it feels very cavey in the system. Oh, I see. But I don't know if the like other following arcade games have really been inspired by that. I think the reason we got more, you know, girly focused. Uh, artwork and stuff was mostly because of otaku pandering oh okay so that's like all-encompassing i guess because the classic otaku from like the 80s in japan he was mostly focused on dark and grim cyberpunk or you know huge macro style explosions and spaceships which fit in (laughs) but later on after the 90s it became more focused on cutesy things and i guess that's where mushihima sama and that's how it's come from yeah it somehow feels like one last try to sell out and just put tiny girls uh, everywhere in the game. So um, Cave really tried hard. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they succeeded. So it worked out in the end, I guess. Yeah, that Smiles was a big success. It was the biggest success of Cave, I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. props to them. Yes. <laughs> For analyzing the market. So we've heard a little bit about your plans, but. Now that Stunfest is over, what are your guys' plans moving forward as far as shooting games are concerned? Well, play more Garega and then <laughs> play more Garega. Um, I really want to just play Garega these days. And I'm definitely also looking forward to the next Stunfest or the next big schmub e- event. And I will definitely go there. So next year and yeah, that's, that's my two plans, I guess. Maybe doing some organizing stuff for the Stunfest again. We'll see how this one goes. And other than that, just enjoy the record. That sounds like music to my ears. And uh, my plans are exactly the same. I will definitely be a part of organizing something in the future. Don't know what yet. It will come. But for now, my main focus will be studying and 
taking care of my relationship, and then I will play some Durga. Are you guys considering a rematch next year for Stunfest? Another demonstration side-by-side competitive type style? If well, maybe not really on the main stage, I would say, but um, yeah. definitely we are going to have some duels during next Stunfest. Yes. Probably not as a... one of the main acts. No, but we should get a double cab set up in the play area, definitely. Oh, definitely, yes. And, and other make it than like an informal competition... thing, you know, who buys the next round of beers, whatever. <laughs> right. Well, I think that would be a good format. Yeah, 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 well, why not? Let's, let's have it this way. Definitely. It's like a money match, but picking up the tab. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think competing over beer is better than competing over money any day. Well, after yeah. all, money gets transformed into beer at one point anyway, so why not just go straight for the beer? Sure, but if you think about it, honestly, beer is much more valuable than money, because one beer is how many coins, man? <laughs> right, I agree. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks for being on the call, you guys. Is there any other topics you guys want to talk about before you head out? Well, first of all, thank you for having us. Yes, thanks very much for having us. No problem. Yeah, honestly, I'm very interested in hearing your opinion of what you thought about everything you saw on the street. Oh, okay, yeah. You want me to talk about yeah. my experience? Yes. What are your thoughts on Stunfest? Well, okay, I just didn't want to yammer on over you guys, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, I was very excited coming up to Stunfest because personally I've always liked live events. I've always been a huge fan of them in anything, but especially video games. And uh, Stunfest seemed like the live event, so I was very excited to see it. I also was really intrigued by your guys' format of having two people playing, you know, side by side competitively because I enjoy competition a lot and I like when people find ways to add competition into, you know, genres of gaming that aren't normally directly competitive. And so on Friday, I got up at 5 a.m. and watched your guys' run. I had a little bit of trouble finding it just because the stream schedule was linking to the wrong Twitch page, but I found it. As I said, French style. (laughs) There you go. Yes. And, um... Yeah, it was really cool, for one, to see you guys in person. You know, not in person, but what you guys look like, because I had no idea. <laughs> the commentary was excellent. The guys that did the SCG Weekly, that ran the stream, did an excellent job commentating. And it was fun to watch your guys' demonstrations, because, you know, I'd gotten to speak with you guys beforehand, and then see them in action. And I was actually a little bit nervous for you while watching them. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I think it was on Sunday? When Eaglet was playing and his ship just suddenly exploded out of nowhere, I was like, what the hell was that? Mm -hmm. And I felt a lot of empathy for you guys because, I mean, I played Grega, not super seriously, but I played it, I guess, a few weeks leading up to the event just so I kind of had a feel for what the game was like. And when I was playing, I was like, oh, this game is going to be rough because, you know, it does change a lot and the bullets are so hard to see and it just ramps up as you go insanely high, so... I was surprised, though, when I watched the demonstration that you guys were playing Bornum. For some reason, I'd gotten into my head that you guys would be using the Golden Bat. So I was surprised to see Bornum, but it was really cool. I, was I think actually... the original plan was to play as game, but then we decided to use Bornum, Bornum simply. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to go for, like, gain and Bornum, but then we, yes. in the end, decided to just go for Bornum since he's the basically easiest uh, to play and the most consistent with all the scoring techniques. 
and we we just went for the safest way possible and in this game basically anything can happen and you play on very high risk on your last life all the time it's not a good idea in general to play it live but we tried anyway yeah yeah um, <laughs> my plan was actually to you know on sunday if we finished early then i would play another run with a different ship just to show it off but Unfortunately, we got delayed by technical difficulties, as you probably saw on the stream. Yeah. And this uh -huh. meant that it wasn't possible at all, unfortunately. One thing I was really happy about watching the stream is that after the runs were over, you know, you guys were able to do interviews and take questions from the audience. Mm. I actually ended up asking you guys a question when you guys were on stream. Oh, which one was oh, that? Nice. I was the one who asked why you guys ended up going with Bornum. Mm, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one too. Yeah, I think I replied to it on Sunday it was, right? Yeah, we did. Yep. And I actually got a chance to ask a lot of questions to Foo 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 through the chat. Mm. Oh, that's I remember that they were interviewing him quite quite for a long time, at least like half an hour, which was yes. very interesting. I think that was really cool because there's not a lot of chances you get to hear from these guys, you know, being in Japan and everything. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was really important. I agree. So overall, I was really happy with the event as far as a spectator goes. I mean, I'm just excited to see next year's now. Oh, you should join us for the next Stunfest. Yes. That would be awesome. I can't promise anything, though. <laughs> All right. Because I, I live in the U.S. It's quite a distance for me. Yeah, yes, we, had, we had like uh, five guys in total from the U.S., I think. I know. That's so cool they made the trip. Yes. It's really awesome. But yeah, I, I hope you can come next year because... If there is one next year, of course, we don't really know yet, but we will know in a couple yeah, months. Yeah, it's hard to know. But it it will definitely be awesome, and I can I can't promise anything, but I I am sure that the next year will be bigger. That's all I can say, really. But yeah, it, it will be bigger. <laughs> one more question I need to ask you guys about is, you know, your guys' local scenes. Yes. Did Stunfest add a lot of excitement hmm. to the scenes and to bring in more players that maybe you've never met before and bring in new faces definitely so on the discord server the shooting exchange we got at least like three four five new players from france yes. and lots of new people joining uh, so it was a huge success of so many new players are just enjoying shooting games and joining the community yeah and also so many new visitors to the festival in general and i this only year. heard super positive feedback from everyone who attended and that, that felt really good yeah, basically everyone I've talked to said that this Stunfest was the best Stunfest. And they also said that last time, so the next time will be even better. It just makes sense this way. Yeah. Just keeps improving every year. This is an exponential function. <laughs> just goes Four up. times better next year. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for coming on the episode, you know, and kind of following up. Sure. Thank you again for having us. Thanks for having us.